You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Our God in heaven, we pray that you would open up the eyes of our hearts to see the terrible majesty on display before us in your son Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. I'm actually going to be preaching all the way back to the beginning of chapter 18, so if you wanted to follow along, you can open up your pew Bible or pull up on your phone John's Gospel and uh, beginning looking back at chapter 18 with Jesus in uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. John's Gospel testifies to the historicity of the death of Jesus Christ. There is no denying that a man, Jesus of Nazareth, was put to death by the Roman authorities around 33 AD. John goes to great lengths to show that these events really happened. By not only telling us what happened, but he cites eyewitnesses and even cites some of them by name. If you didn't believe the story that John tells, he might say, just go ask Malchus. Go speak with Annas and Caiaphas. Talk to the guards of the high priest who arrested Jesus. Find the servant of the high priest who questioned Peter about his ties to Jesus. Any number of people in Jerusalem were in the crowd that day for the Passover, and they yelled, crucify him. Any of them could tell you something of this day. Ask those who scourged him, placed a crown of thorns upon his head, and nailed him to a cross. Speak with Mary and the Roman soldiers who saw him die. Ask all of these and others what happened on that fateful Friday. All of these eyewitnesses come together to form a story, a narrative about the last moments on earth of Jesus Christ. At least until later. But there is one witness to these events who goes unnamed. There is one who, unlike everyone else named, is able to see not just bits of the story, but the entire story. Every violent event, every private conversation, every public humiliation, that unnamed person is you. You see it all. And so what do you make of this remarkable event? I wonder what each of the eyewitnesses thought when they encountered Jesus. In chapter 18, you can only imagine there's Malchus, one of the servants of the high priest, who go with the guards of the high priest to arrest Jesus. And there in the garden, Peter draws his sword and tries to kill Malchus, but Malchus dodges enough that all he does is lose an ear. And then Jesus reaches down, places the ear back healed on Malchus's head. What must have Malchus thought? I think he probably backed away a little bit and wondered, what kind of man is this? I mean, one, that he has the ability to reattach my ear, but that he would heal me, someone who has come to arrest him. 
Who would do such a thing? Who is it that would show mercy to the one who seeks him dead? What must Annas and Caiaphas thought? A threat to their very way of life. The religious establishment of the day, Jesus' very presence undermined that with the message of the gospel that God had come near to them. That was the accusation. This man has set himself up as the son of God. That God came amongst his own people, but his own people knew him not. And so he must be killed. Or Peter, so brave in the Garden of Gethsemane that he draws his sword but then standing around the fire while Annas and Caiaphas are, are badgering Jesus with questions, Peter denies Jesus, being so near in proximity, but so distant in spirit. And then Jesus is taken to Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, And Pilate says, I really don't want to get caught up in all of this. But decide he must. And he even engages in a theological conversation with Jesus, asking, what is truth? What can you believe anymore? How do I know that you're who you say you are? And then Barabbas You can imagine Barabbas in his prison cell near to where Pilate is speaking to the crowd. And he can hear the crowd screaming and yelling, and all of a sudden he hears his name. And a spirit of excitement might well up in him, but then all of a sudden he hears, crucify him, crucify him. And Barabbas doesn't know what to think when the prison guards come and take him out of his cell. Where are they taking me? What does all of this mean? And here's this violent criminal who goes free while Jesus goes to his execution. And then there are the soldiers. Pilate thought, if I just send Jesus away to get beaten up and humiliated, that will be enough. Now, Pilate gave no orders other than to scourge him as to how Jesus might be humiliated. And to this very day, if you go to Jerusalem, to the Antonia Fortress, there in the pavement is a pie with individual pieces, and in individual pieces is carved a symbol. And one of those symbols carved in one of the slices of the pie there on the floor is a crown. See, this is a game board that the Roman soldiers used. They played games with the prisoners. And by providence, the lot that was cast for Jesus fell on the game of the king. And so they dressed him in purple. They put a crown of thorns on his head and they mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews. They thought it was a game. They had no idea of the truth that they were speaking. And ultimately, it would be these soldiers 
who place the cross upon Jesus, who then carries it outside of the city up a hill called Golgotha, where he would be nailed to the cross and die. And there at the foot of the cross, the only disciple left, John, sees it all happen. And he must have wondered, what were these three years for? Just just recently, I saw Lazarus raised from the dead. I saw thousands fed with a little boy's bag lunch. I saw Jesus walk on water. I saw him have control over nature. And now he dies, the death of a criminal. And then there's Mary, a mother's worst nightmare come true. To watch her son die in the most agonizing fashion. Helpless to do anything. And some of Jesus' last words were for his mother. I want to take care of you. I want to make sure that you're going to be taken care of. Each of these witnesses processed what they saw, and they came to their own conclusions. Hey, one of the guards that went to a, arrest Jesus in the garden that saw the healing of Malchus's ear when they were back before the high priest smacked Jesus across the face because he didn't like the way that he was speaking to the religious authorities of the day. But where these eyewitnesses existed in isolation of the various events, you were there the whole time with Jesus. You see it all. And John tells us why he takes us on this journey, why he wrote all of these things down, not just his own experience, but what others saw, what others said. In chapter 20 of his gospel, John says, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. What do you think of this Jesus who died? What do you make of his cross? Do you scoff at it like some of the soldiers did? Do you think, well, it has some blessing like Malchus' experience, but you walk away simply pondering Jesus for the rest of your life, but the reality of who he is and what he's come to do actually hasn't taken rest in your heart? Now, we know that Easter is coming, but Easter is only Easter because of Good Friday. Even if Jesus had gotten up out of the grave after dying from pneumonia, it would not have been enough to save us. Have you ever thought of that? It's not that Jesus died, but it's how he died, because of why he died. So even if Jesus did die of pneumonia and on Sunday morning he got up out of the grave, that would be an incredible miracle. But without his death, his death on the cross, we would still be dead in our sins and trespasses. This is why John wants us to see the death of Jesus in all of its terrible majesty. 
John wants us to see that Jesus himself is the Passover lamb that has been sacrificed for us. Jesus is the perfect offering for our sins without blemish. Only Jesus could die the death that was needed to reconcile you and me to God. Yes, of course, Jesus died because he loved us. But it was sin that sent him to the cross. His love was for sinners whom he came to save. His death for sin is what God the Father requires. Only Jesus could have done this. This is what it took to save the likes of you and me. If what we hear today is that Jesus died only because he loved us, we have not begun to understand the true depths of his love because we did not deserve what he did for us. We did not earn it. He shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John Piper described it this way, We are unworthy of Christ. The Son of God dies, rebels live. This is not fair. This is grace. Jesus' death is not simply a demonstration of love. It is a pivotal pivotal event in our salvation. Without it, we are still lost, separated from God. Jesus is more than a historical figure, more than just a character in a moving story. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He is the perfect offering for our sins. And now that you've seen him, what do you think of this crucified Jesus? Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.